Hi, my name's Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, it's going, it's on, and now we're going to try and do hosting the the, the woof host stuff again and woofer stuff again. Uh, but we we uh, we're down one person. Uh, uh, Josiah had the gall to leave us to go spend Christmas with his family of all people. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he know we were going to record a podcast today? His priorities they're very skewed clearly. What <laughs> a twisted dude! All right. <clears throat> So, uh, but we were kind of talking about what we're about to talk about today and, and, it, and trying to wrap up, uh, the wolf stuff. And one of the things we were kind of talking about is like, have we ever heard of stories where the wolf hosts behaved very poorly? And, um, before I forget, cause I didn't write it down and I thought I'm going to mention this first. I have heard of places where you go and, um, the wolf hosts are basically stoned all day. And it's like you go there and, and I've heard stories of like, you go there and it's, uh, not only is it a, a total shithole, like it looks like a garbage dump. Um, but on top of that, it's like everybody is enjoying weed all day long every day. Now, I guess if you're a woofer and you're thinking like, that sounds awesome. If you like that kind of thing. <laughs> if you like that sort of thing. My woofers would have loved that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there are places that if that's what you're into, then uh, it sounds like there's places that offer that. Maybe they should just say in the thing, 420 friendly. And by that, what we mean is not only are you smoking weed all day, but the workday doesn't start until 2. And then because you started late, you're going to quit early to make up for it at 3. <laughs> I, I'd just like to add, and I had had to add this to every phone interview because uh, I'm from Washington and it's a legal it's a green state uh, I found that every woofer just assumed that I was either a cannabis grower or was in support of smoking all day long and I am not on both uh, so I had to say okay so it's legal here uh, if you do it offside on your own time fine but we do not do anything uh, during you know time just like you wouldn't drink alcohol on the job you're not smoking weed on the job even if you think you do a better job when you're smoking weed yeah. You don't. Yeah. And when you're drunk, you don't do a good job either. So we don't do any of that during the workday, but I don't interfere with people's private lives outside of the farm. All right. Jennifer's aching to say something. I just want to squeeze in. We, we've had a couple of people long ago where they would go. First of all, you said Washington, the evergreen state. And it's like yeah. it's a little greener than it used to be yeah. because <laughs> that was because of the conifer trees before. But now there's a whole new kind of tree. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, uh, we've had people long ago where they, in order to be respectful to my stuff about no weed, they would make a weekend trip to Washington State. And, and I, I think I hosted them. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, they'd, they'd go over there, they'd, they'd come back uh, a little relaxed, and uh, I, I kind of feel... But you know what? I kind of... The, the thing that makes me happy is not only have I not known of anybody to do that in the last two years... Which is like, oh, good. I'm, you know, but at the, uh, I think it was at the PDC, didn't somebody say like, I am so glad to be in a group where people aren't like getting drunk or getting stoned uh, during the event. It just seems like yeah. most permaculture events are like that. Right. Well, no, I was just going to say I had a pretty similar policy to Ron. I mean, it is illegal in Texas. So my policy was like, don't have it on my land. Don't do it where I can see you. If you want to go risk getting arrested elsewhere, I guess that's your business. Like, I'm not going to bail you out, but I'm also not your mom. Um, and they didn't abide by that at all, somewhat unsurprisingly. But I think, you know, it's kind of just a hazard of being in the hippie adjacent 
space of permaculture, like everybody assumes that that's what's going on all the time. And it's hard to, like, you have to explicitly counter that expectation ahead of time if you don't want to have problems. I think we're pretty explicit. In fact, in order to pay the uh, the $100 in order to, to come here, right. there's a checkbox you have to check now. Like, you can't pay the $100 unless you first check the check box that says something like, I understand there's, you know, no smoking and no weed at Wheaton Labs. Something like, it's like, or it's a a tobacco and weed-free campus or something. I love that expression, uh, tobacco. And I kind of feel like, um, and I've had, I don't know how many people like, hey, if you just allowed smoking, you'd get so many more people. Or if you allowed weed, you'd get so many more people. And I think that they're correct. But it's like I don't I don't need ten thousand people here. I need just a couple dozen. Yeah. And and so um, I I agree. And, and there's all kinds of things. I think I think uh, uh, saying no smoking eliminates ninety percent of the people that want to come out here. Right. And then out of what's left, saying no weed eliminates ninety percent of what is left. Right. And then um, the Fouch, out of what's left, the vouchers take care of another ninety percent of what's left. Sure. <laughs> and uh, my own personal personality probably takes care of ninety percent. So <laughs> so on and so on until you're down to practically nobody. But still, um, I'm I think that you know whereas Ron talking about the interview i'm thinking like this stuff is my filter personally but but yeah all right so we're talking about like okay what are what are some other things that hosts that you've heard of where hosts have behaved very poorly ron had one yeah there was a um i won't say where it is to be just uh, respectful but uh there's a there was a, a couple, married, married couple, who were not having a real good marital time. And as a result, uh, they kind of had a lot of issues and outspoken and very loud and very, you know, on the edge of violence and stuff. And the woofers were feeling, I had a woofer that had happened to have been there and said, wow, it was just so awkward. It's like they felt like they either need to, um, take sides or hide or just leave and that particular woofer had to leave uh you know so you know you're as a host you're bringing people into your home basically and uh and all the things that go with that that includes all your habits and all your things and you know if you're married then you know all your potential marital issues those are coming i mean those are being exposed to the woofers because it is a relatively intimate situation if they're coming into your home as they are in mine they come into the farmhouse we share meals we you know share a lot so there's you know the only piece of privacy i have left on the planet is my bedroom and that's it everything else is open so it's uh it is it's expected that that's going to happen because uh you know woofos are just people just like us permaculturists we're just people we kind of have a a similar layer of similar privacy thing here where we make the fisher price house totally open to all the boots um we we kind of make a thing where we don't make it available to the ants because uh, you know if you're an ant in ant village then you're you know being independent you're doing things on your own and we we do allow the ants to come in once a week for taco tuesday and so that's the big the big gathering once a week to to talk about community stuff as well as to you know give everybody this that once a week shower <laughs> and if they don't have their own shower thing going on at their own plot you know they can like okay you can always come in once a week over here you know and uh but anyway <clears throat> Uh, the only private space that we have, and Jocelyn's an introvert. She's like, she gets a little fried on all the people, and so she um, camps out in there a lot. And so uh, um, to get to get that extra little bit of uh, privacy. Uh, all right, what else we got for like um, wolf host experiences that uh, are um, uh, below par? Nobody's we're at, um, we're done. We're drunkenness. We're, <laughs> um I think did you want to talk about that wrong? You were gonna talk about the uh the stony part. The uh, marijuana part, weren't you? But what? we we kinda did that, didn't I we? I think we covered yeah, okay. it, yeah. yeah. I was high then. I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we've heard of wolf hosts who were just, you know, drunk a lot, which makes it hard to be a good host. I've also heard of um, wolf hosts who just didn't 
fulfill the minimum requirements of woofing, like didn't provide sufficient food or tried to have people work longer hours. And I mean, I take those with a grain of salt in that I suspect that if my woofers were interviewed right now, they would say, you know, wow, she wanted us to eat lots of stuff from the garden and help out when there were emergencies after hours. And that's not Mm. cool with the woofing contract. Um, And I don't think I was especially evil or anything, but I've definitely heard of those situations as well. Right, where the where the food was, you know, but but you're right. I mean, they wouldn't phrase it that way, like like oh, she expected us to eat out of the garden. <laughs> they they would probably instead say she just wasn't feeding us. There just wasn't enough food to eat there. Right. It was like she needed to go shopping more or something. And it's like right. this was it was ridiculous. Exactly. We had to buy our own food just to survive. And what they meant to say was, we had to buy our own Pop-Tarts. She wouldn't buy us any Pop-Tarts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much my interpretation of it. We insisted on Captain Crunch cereal and ice cream, and she wouldn't get it. Instead, she's like pointing at the dirt and saying, like, look, right there, eat the dirt. <laughs> Let them eat dirt. I just have to say I'm very happy that I never had food issues at the farm. <laughs> we always had plenty to eat, and then I would cater to the woofers as far as uh, you know their likes and dislikes. My thing is, is that I'm going to provide the food that I eat, and uh, if you have special dietary needs, then you're going to be responsible for that. But most everything we get is from the farm. You know, pick it yourself or use the jarred stuff that we have. But never had an issue with the food, which is a blessing, because I would hate to have gone down in history as one of the few chefs in Woof hosts them that <laughs> starved their woofers. <laughs> we had a guy here two years ago that, um, and it's like before he arrived, we made it really clear in everything that you know we're providing staples, and we list we kind of list out what those are. I mean, I think we're really clear about the food that we provide. Right. And then he came and he said something like he he's a carnivore. And he eats only meat. And so then we said, you know, basically reiterated what exactly is written there. If you have special dietary needs, you're going to need to buy your own food. Right. And, um, and he was like, oh, I don't have enough money to buy my own food. And it's like, well, then I guess this isn't going to work. Right. And, and, but he, I didn't know this until after he arrived. And, oh. and, and so then, um, he would just like we had like one of the things we provide is coconut oil and he was just like consuming you know huge quantities of, and then uh, he was doing a work trade to be here during the PDC um, and uh, uh, one day he just started and he did a thing too during the PDC where it was I mean I think that the the two years ago, the food was, this is in 2017, the food that was provided was quite good, and he would go and get into the food line first. He would, like, push other people out, <laughs> and then we would have meat in with, you know, like, mixed into something. Right. Like, oh, it's spaghetti and meatballs, or, or something. Right. But the it would meat just be spaghetti. By the time he got through, it would just be spaghetti. I had one of those. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what would happen. He would pick all the meat out. And he would cut in line in front of everybody, insisting that he had medical needs. Oh, Lord. And then he picked all the meat out, and everybody else was just left with whatever was left. And and it's like, uh, and then when we served a meal that didn't have meat, like one day he screamed at Jocelyn in front of everybody at the event. Like he was just screaming. And I kind of felt like, this is really, I mean, I should have kicked him out. In hindsight, I should have just totally kicked him out. And and um, his, his behavior was absolutely unacceptable. You but would have, Paul, if I were there, you would have kicked him out. <laughs> I, I've kicked a few people out before, but it's like in the last two years since that event, because it was at that, because that's the same event that the Fauches were at, and then the Fauches put out their video. We haven't had anybody like that since, and so I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, um, he would. He would have seen the the Fouch video before coming out here and been like, oh, I'm not going that place. This is dangerous. So uh, my woofers also wanted more meat, and and they were on a cattle ranch. So I was like, let's slaughter a steer. There's there's organic grass-fed meat on the hoof. Where's the beef? There's the beef, beef, right? (laughs) Like, we can do it on wolf time, because that's a learning experience about running a cattle ranch. And they were just like, 
no, you will go to town and buy the organic grass-fed beef. And I was, they don't sell it in my town. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Like, they they don't sell organic grass-fed beef in town. We would have had to drive to Houston, which is like hours away. And then they were kind of like, well, you slaughter it yourself and then give us some. And it's like, well, that's, no, go pick some damn squash. (laughs) (laughs) So... You hit on something, Paul, a little while ago that you said, uh, you, you're saying, oh, this isn't going to work. That reminded me, my policy is I have a two-week no fault. You can leave or I can tell you to leave, and it's all good. We shake mm-hmm. hands, and it's fine if it doesn't work out. Because you never really know if it's going to work out until you actually get there. You get the woofer in, they start working, and you know all the pipe dreams in the world come crashing down if they're like not even close to where they they were or where if you if i as a host couldn't provide for them the way that they needed so two weeks i would definitely say to any host offer a a, a trial period for any long-term woofer why, uh, why would it be a trial period why not just have it be that way always and forever well because you want to have some security on both ends it's like you want the you know if they're working out really well you just don't want them to leave right and if uh and vice versa, if it's working out really well, they don't want to feel like you can kick them out at any time, which, of course, in any extenuating circumstance, if you're asked to leave, it's yeah. the policy of woof that you leave exactly when they say the host says to leave. But it's just, it's a polite thing. It's a courtesy thing. And okay. uh, I've had to exercise it several mm-hmm. times, but most of the time I don't have to exercise that. But it's there. It is a safety net. I, I have the exact same policy, only it's completely different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's like, basically, I mean, I think that one of the things that breaks my heart the most is when somebody comes and they're amazing and then um, the fuckers fall in love and and then because they fell in love with somebody who's leaving, then they leave. And it's like, son of a fucking bitch. <laughs> this was really working out. <laughs> then you had to go and fall in love. Ah, this isn't a dating service. I'm running here. It seems like it kind of is from a lot of the stories you've told me. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said for like when you get bit by the permaculture bug, right. then whoever you're with, you drop them because it's like they're like not into it anymore. They're not or they, they're not into it. Suddenly you're like, I want to do everything permaculture all the time. And then um, I think there's a lot of people who go to PDCs like every year just to get that fix. And of course, part of it is it's a little bit for the dating guy opportunities uh-huh. you know for meeting those people that have values that are similar and so then it's so I think there's a lot of that that happens but back to the thing about oh did you have something more yeah let's plug for more women to be here <laughs> uh, so that our dating pool is a little more selective did, did you want to do some specific marketing at the moment like uh, take this opportunity yeah I'd like to actually market for a permaculture princess <laughs> he's a really good cook <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You did all the cooking for us on Thanksgiving. That was wonderful, by the way. And it looks like and, we're doing the same thing for Christmas. And it looks yeah. like for Christmas you're going to be doing quite a bit. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that. That was yeah. amazing. And you've been out here to cook before. Your first trip yeah. out here was for the for a big the event. pizza party. The pizza party after the Rocket yeah. Ovens DVD came out. And you cooked for everybody then. It was awesome. Um, but... All right. Uh, the 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 thing that we're talking about now is what was the thing we were talking about now? Um, <laughs> this is not going to work. Oh right, I was yeah, saying something about like is completely different. Yeah, yours is two weeks, and I'm I feel like there's there's a really important thing in all of the world, and that is people always stay exactly the same while t- simultaneously completely changing. Yeah, that's the opposite thing, and yet somehow it's mysteriously true. So it's like somebody might show up, and within we've had people who uh, showed up to be here forever, and within three hours they left. Right. And and it's kind of like, um, and we've we've had people who who came here to be here forever, and after it took four or five weeks until we finally said, "Yep, it's time for you to go." And and it's like, uh, so there's all kinds of stories, and and sometimes you're like, ah, oh, it's you know, we're just getting started and we're having a rough start. And, and other times it's kind of like, um, uh, oh, it's going to be great forever. And, and there's like, there have been some really wonderful, wonderful people. And 
like the whole falling in love thing. And But it's like sometimes some people are just wired in a way that it's like, this is not a fit. Like the guy yelling at yeah. Jocelyn, it's like, no. Yeah, don't yell at Jocelyn. <clears throat> yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> general general policy, you know. Um, I should have kicked the Fouches out. You know, when, when they were, when, when she was screaming at me yeah. on day two of the PDC, I should have, you know, in hindsight, of course, you know, but, but that behavior was really unacceptable. Um, and, uh, and of course it's like, well, she's here for PR and I was warned that she was a bit of a diva. I guess being screamy is part of being a diva. Um, all right. But anyway, the, the, the thing is, is that I kind of feel like, it it it's it it needs to be a forever thing, not a not a two week thing for me. But you're right, it is a forever thing, and the host does always have the option, and the the, the woofer always has the option to leave. Yeah. But I'm just saying, I offer this as an upfront thing. It says, hey, it doesn't matter how you know. There's not going to be any hurt feelings that within the first couple of weeks, if this isn't working out for you, you can just take off. You let me know, hey, it's not working out, or I can say the same thing to you. It's a respectful thing. It's like we're giving you this this opportunity to see how the fit really works right here up front and that way it's an out that you need to have you you don't just have this thing hanging over their head forever it's just like we need to know within the first couple weeks whether you're going to work out or not possibly and you always do have that option to say hey it didn't work out I know it's 94 weeks into it but it's not working (laughs) out anymore but you you have that option but offer you know up front say we have a two week trial or something like that that way they can feel comfortable about saying hey you know I can check it out if it's not good for me I can just tell Ron hey it's not good for me and if it's not good for him he can just say hey it's not good for me and then, then there's no issues so as a software engineer one of the few gigs I'm allowed to talk about because there were a lot of gigs I worked on where it's like I'm not allowed to talk about. I, although now enough times passed, I probably could. But anyway, one of the sexiest gigs I ever had was working on uh, the ground systems for the spacecraft that takes pictures for Google Earth. That is sexy. And so um, it was my they, it was my third time being hired. And every time I'd been hired by this by this company, uh, I was as a contractor, which is always like we need help for three weeks, so we're hiring you for three weeks. Oh, and then we happened to extend that a bunch of times, and I ended up working there the first time in '99. In fact, I wrote the predecessor to Google Earth, uh, only with my version, you could actually task the satellites to take pictures. Um, you can't do that with the current one. <laughs> but with mine, you could. Um, but uh, uh, I watched as a bunch of permanent employees were uh, let go while I, a contractor, fully disposable, don't even need one minute's notice, just like, and your contract is done now. Get out. And it's like that's that was the kind of contracting that I did, and um, uh, so it's like basically what I saw was um, it doesn't matter whether you're you're sporting the label of permanent employee or disposable contractor, uh, it, it all boiled down to if it works you stay long, if it doesn't work you're out. The word permanent meant nothing. The word temporary meant nothing, and it was all like you're saying, Ron. It's it's all kind. Of like well, it can provide a little bit of comfort. Um, I I kind of like and and the thing that I've got up on our site now is it says something like um, uh, like in the FAQ it, it, it's like do I have to ob- make an obligation or anything like that? And currently it says something like uh, no you can you can uh, leave at any time and we can ask you to leave at any time. And so it's it's you know mutual both ways kind of a thing. So I I think that there's something to be said for like um, if you want to be here a long time then like kind of get the the lay of the land and understand how everything works and goes and find a way that is within your comfort zone to be here a long time and then if you decide one day to scream at Jocelyn it's like that might be your last day I I think that that's a, a you know it makes sense I mean so Jennifer you've been here um, quite a while like yeah, since June. six months or so yeah, around and that. and so I mean um, I I could I could kick your ass out anytime I feel like it for any or no reason. Are you worried? No. Um, when I was first looking at that on the website before I came here, I did kind of think, well, that seems a little arbitrary. Like, 
you know, you're going to be putting a lot of work and effort and, you know, investment into something and somebody can just kick you out. That seems a little nerve wracking. But then as I thought about it more, one, you have a lot of investment in the land and I was, you know, I was managing a large property. I have to be in charge of that in order to make things work. Like, mm. so that makes sense to me. And then, like, you really want to build community here. You want people to stay. So there's no reason you're going to be kicking people out willy-nilly I, for no good I reason. I want good people you want to good, stay. Exactly. You want good people to stay. Mm. So it's like... You know, as long as I'm not doing anything that's contrary to your values or, you know, God forbid, screaming at Jocelyn, I think things yeah. will be fine. So, like, um, I mean, you know, is what would be a thing that you might do that I might decide, I, you're out of here for that. You clipped your toenails in my office. I, I don't know what I'm trying to... I mean, I think I, I think the thing is that there's going to be some people that will come and what they think is perfectly reasonable and normal will right. be like not okay. And right. I mean, I'm having a hard time imagining anything I would actually do that would cause problems. I suspect that in a lot of cases it would be a matter of like, well, commanding you to do things a particular way that you do not wish to do them might be something that... Oh, and you could make your stand. You could say, this yeah. is my swan song. Right. I'm going, you know, you have to use Roundup. Exactly. There is no other possible way. Right. And then I will say, well, I guess today's your last, last day. day. Because exactly. if, it's an, yeah. if it's an absolute, right. you know, if it's an absolute for you, then I guess, you know, but I kind of feel like you could you could easily be here 60 years and there probably won't be a problem. Yeah, I suspect that's true. Um, I can't really foresee any major future sticking points. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so all right. I, I think that's, but I do think that there are people, and you've experienced some of these people that will show up and they won't last long. Right. And it's like because they have a different value set that is not a match. Yeah. So um, all right. <clears throat> I think the thing to do is is like, um, and 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 it's like I think it's a different experience set. And so, Ron, I think what you're saying is is like I want to put it out there, kind of like you know, so that way we can kind of feel like we made it past two weeks. Everything will probably be fine for as long as we wish it to be fine. Yeah, it's likely within two weeks you'll find the bad habits or the things that are not going to fit your value system. It's likely to happen, but it's just a comfortable period of time. That's a no fault. I say it's a no fault thing. Mm -hmm. You don't have to feel obligated since you said, oh, I want to be here for three months. Um, and, you know, like it didn't work after the first, normally, you know, within the first couple days. Right. Honestly. Right. Yeah, yeah. You really can tell, you know, if somebody is that extreme, you say, yeah. You, you know, so that's why you got two weeks. But... After that, still, there's the time. It's like, you can leave anytime. I can tell you to leave anytime, still. But it's just a matter of this is more of a get-to-know-you kind of period of... Right. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like the two-week thing is a way to make sure that things can end smoothly, as opposed to just ending, which they can do anytime. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. Yeah. yeah, ending stuff, like kicking somebody out, that's always a hard thing to do. Very awkward. Even as awful as my woofers were... It was it was emotionally difficult yeah. to just flat out kick them off the property. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, and then I think decent people. It's like uh, I don't know. Well, if, like if you had to kick out at somebody that was decent, that would be super hard. But decent right. people are decent, so you don't have to kick them right. out. Right. Well, <laughs> so. and I had to kick pretty hard <laughs> to get rid of my woofers. Like at one point they said, like, "What are you gonna do? Call the cops?" And it's like, no. <laughs> This is Texas. This is Texas, right? <laughs> but no, in all honesty, like, they had kind of hunkered down and were kind of trying to do a weird squatting thing. And so it was, it, they were hard to get rid of in many ways. Okay. But. All right. Um, um, I'm going to move on to the next. I, th I think one of the things that we kind of talked about a little bit before starting before we started recording today was was setting precedent. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's kind of like when you get to like the Bullock Brothers and they've been doing it for 30, 40 years, um, 45 years, something like that. Then it's kind of like um, the way that they have done it, the patterns, the systems, the whatever right. is pretty well set. And so then when you show up. 
then it's kind of like, okay, here's how we do it here. Right. And then, and then when you're like, I'm new here, it's so new, I don't know. And it's like you just step in with the way everybody else is doing it, and you'll be fine. Right. Um, whereas the thing that you were saying was is that if you're, this is the first time uh, you're a woof host, and this is your first ever woofer, then um, it could be hard to figure out what that precedent is. Right. And and then it's like if you've got a great woofer, it'll be fine because yeah. if you you know if everybody's lovely, everything will be fine. Right. But if they're shy of that, then. Um, uh, they might <clears throat> say, oh, no, no, the way that you do it is. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, I think, yeah, that was a major flaw in my system. I had imagined that I would have, like, work buddies that would kind of come along with me. And when you have animals, I mean, a lot of what you do is you kind of wander around and make sure everything's okay. Like, check the cows, check the well, check the fence. Check the perimeter. Check the perimeter, exactly. Yeah. And everything, if you find something that needs to be fixed, you work on it. But, like, the woofers when they came in sort of interpreted that, I think, as a a lack of management or a lack of planning. Right. They There wasn't really a good immediate system to get them, like, working on something and having a schedule of projects worked out, and so they just kind of didn't take it seriously and wandered away when I tried to set them to working on one of the things that we found, because they were like, oh, this is just a hole in the fence that she found. This doesn't even need to be worked on. Like, she just found it right now. It's not important. And it's like, yeah, it is. It's very important. <laughs> As you were saying that, I just kind of had this thought of, like, what if um, you get you, you join the army? Right. And then, of course, we all know what happens. The first thing you do is you go to, like, six weeks of boot camp. Right. And so what happens if you go to boot camp and there's no drill sergeant? Right. Uh, And then usually I think there's, like, probably four or five people that are assigned to this group of, like, 30 people and that are going to, you know, do the boot camp thing. But what if you just showed up and and somebody came out and said, okay, you guys go over there. And you do boot campy things, okay? Yeah. We'll we'll come back and check on you in a, at the end of the day and see how it's going. And I kind of, <laughs> yeah. You should run and like do some jumping jacks. Here we got a list. Here's a here's a list. And um, and then the, surely I would think that that a majority of the uh, of the new boots would be like, I'm gonna sit on my ass and get stoned. <laughs> but that's certainly my experience of trying to do it with the woofers. And, and yeah. it's like so without the drill sergeant slapping that weed out of your pie hole, <laughs> yeah. Then you might you might kind of phone it in a little bit, right? And so that, I think there's something to be said. It's like some people do great without strong leadership. Right. And some people really need the strong leadership because without it, they're going to, you know, follow the easiest path. I'm sorry, Paul, but as a veteran, I just have to correct your oh, statement. On, see, I've never been in boot camp. Okay, tell me. Uh, six weeks is Air Force. When I went into the Navy, six weeks was Air Force boot camp. Eight weeks was Navy. Twelve weeks is Army. And eight, uh, 16 weeks is was the Marines. Wow. So you had extensive. Like, if you wanted to get away with a short boot camp, you go to the Air Force. Nice. If you um, like water, and you, want, <laughs> you like that sort of thing, <laughs> and you only want half the boot camp, that the Marines have, then you go to the Navy. <laughs> the Navy. <laughs> but the uh, the fighting forces, the uh, the ground forces, the Navy, Mar- or excuse me, the uh, Army Marines, extensive boot camp training. Okay. So now, uh, how many hours a day was planned for you uh, during your first week? Oh, at boot camp? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so 20, 24 hours. A day. How oh, many? Yeah. How many oh, hours? My first, my first morning was uh, got into off the bus in San Diego. Uh, they picked us up around midnight, four o'clock in the morning. Someone kicked a garbage can down the aisle, and <laughs> this was after sitting around for two hours getting selected for different divisions. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah, every every moment of your day was pretty much planned. And I, I guarantee okay. you, the little amount of sleep that you got, you earned. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you slept well. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> so I want to say how many people were in your group, but it's probably all guys. So how many guys are there in your There were 
80 guys in my group. 80, so there's 80, 80 guys. guys. And, and how many uh, drill sergeant and staff kind of people were there to guide these 80 people? There were uh, four basic... Uh, what would you would call drill sergeants, and in one uh, we had a, a, a master chief who was our commander, basically, top guy, real nice guy, really liked him. Oh, oh so they were they were lovely. It was oh, no, 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 not the drill sergeants. Like, the drill oh. sergeants were total dicks. <laughs> that's what that's how they hire them. Oh, and that's okay. what they're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. They're supposed to kind of break you down during the short uh, for the first couple of weeks, and they're supposed to build you back up, but build you back up with uh, some substantial. Uh, uh, Ability to follow orders. Okay, <laughs> so break you down. That sounds rude. <laughs> that sounds that sounds less uncomfortable. And and they yell at you. That doesn't sound like a very nice thing. But if you expect it, you can laugh it off in your head. Don't laugh it off. <laughs> My uncle told me what uh, everything to expect, and so it's like, okay, I knew. Okay, they're gonna do this. <laughs> so so <laughs> after eight hours of of doing boot camp things, then you got like a lot of rest time, and and then you could take naps and um, yeah, you could, exactly you could work, like do things on your phone and, and oh, watch TV. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. After the uh, seventeen or eighteen hours of boot camp, uh, you were able to have a meeting and go to sleep. That was 17 to 18 hours per week. Per day. Per day. Oh, 17 to 18 hours per day. And by the way, the pay wasn't all that good. <laughs> the meals were... Actually, I was on the uh, 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 NTC side of camp. I was in a I was in a drill team, mm. and so uh, we actually had the good kitchen. So we nice. had good food. Our eggs were not green. <laughs> oh, no. But the other side, oh nasty. The the uh, RTC side recruit tree, recruit center was a uh, nasty nasty food. The Navy center was that's for regular enlisted and an officer. So it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Just wanted to make a quick correction. I didn't want to go on this huge mm-hmm. boat ride with mm-hmm. you, but just I, just out of respect for the people that were yeah. the army guys who are saying six weeks, I did that in my sleep. <laughs> it's Twelve weeks, son. <laughs> so I, I I guess the important thing out of this is that some people will do great as a woofer without needing strong leadership, and some people are going to need strong leadership. Now, Fred manages our boot camp, but I think, I think, uh, so Ron, you've met your, uh, um, drill sergeants of days gone by, and you've met Fred. Is Fred like that? It's very scary. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. I actually haven't worked with Fred on anything. So I don't know how he is with the group. Well, you coordinate with them all. I coordinate with them, but we coordinate as, you know, like, as, you know, like, I'll take some of the boots, we'll go do something. He'll tell me, ask me what I need, or I'll ask him if I can have some additional help doing stuff. So we haven't really worked in a way that it's been like drill sergeant. So I can't tell you. You're going to have to ask one of the boots okay. how no, it is. For real. Okay. So, for real. so Jennifer, you're familiar with what movies and portray, or movies and television portray uh, uh, boot camp to be like and what the drill sergeant is like. How sure. does Fred compare to those drill sergeants? Um, Fred is just an incredibly patient, lovely, calm person who shows me cool things in the woods when we're working, which I don't get the impression is like your average drill sergeant. No, I honestly have no idea where Fred gets the reserves of patience that he has, um, but he's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think Fred brings a magic sauce to the boot camp that really helps make it a lovely experience for everybody, and everybody, um, uh, you know, becomes productive. And, and, and we don't insist on like okay this is a boot camp so yeah yeah everybody has to work you know 10 times harder it's more like no you'll find your own pace and then in time you get better at it and then you go a little faster etc and and you get you get better at doing this one thing i think is worth noting too i mean both in the military and i think to some degree here at wheaton labs is not only is the management strong but there's there's precedent in terms of systems as well in terms of how you eat what sort of like your nest labor, project labor, soul labor things like there's 
there's a set of criteria that have already kind of been set out, and you can slot into those things. In the actual military boot camp, like, you know, every moment of your day is planned. I think that if I had had things more explicitly laid out when I had woofers in terms of, like, oh, okay, they need to eat, like... Are they supposed to harvest from the garden? Am I supposed to do it for them? Do we do that during their work time or not during their work time? Like, if I had had those things explicitly laid out, things would have been much more smooth. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. So I think precedent is important in that regard as well. I wonder if there's any books along those lines. Mm-hmm. Like, like how to how to be a wolf host and how to be an effective wolf host. Right. I mean, I kind of feel like this podcast, we're kind of talking about a lot of the things, and we're trying the whole function of this podcast is hopefully to help other people that choose to be Wolf hosts to um, have greater success. All right, I want to plow through my list, and we've only got 10 more minutes to go before we got to end this. Um, uh, yesterday I mentioned um, uh, everybody must be thoroughly punished for the actions of those that have come before you, and so that's on my list. I wanted to, to mention that again. And so basically I think that this is completely true for like any place, any place that's existed for more than a couple of days, it's like, you know, we have our precedent that we've set. We've kind of come up with maybe not necessarily rules, but uh, choreography. This is how we kind of all get along and get it all to work out. And um, and these are the, the ways that we do it now. And it's like, and then sometimes people will show up and be like, uh, I want to do it a different way, or the way you're doing it is dumb, or whatever. And it's kind of like, well, how about if we do it the way that it is? now and we can talk at Taco Tuesday about how we might want it to be different. That's that's legit. That's respectful. And so um all right. Uh, anything else about say about you must be thoroughly punished for the actions of those that have come before you? I think it could be said just briefly that you use the experiences of the uh, woofers that have come before to adjust your hosting style. Like at yeah. first, I didn't realize it was all all going to be about cannabis. Like everybody wanted something to do about cannabis. Every and it looked like every woofer smoked cannabis. So I had to kind of adjust accordingly to make sure that I told people on the phone what I'd said earlier about the cannabis so i yeah. think it's just it's a learning thing yeah. and it's not necessarily being punished in some cases you're just adjusting it and letting people know what the rules are i think uh, one example that comes to mind is that we no longer provide coffee here and it's like um and it and it because we're very we, we would provide organic coffee which is kind of expensive and then there was a guy who showed up and it was amazing how much coffee he could burn through in a day and it was you know it was becoming expensive for us and so finally we just had to say like no, we're not going to provide coffee anymore. It's not a, it's not a staple really. And it's like, although I, I know that the army thinks of it as a staple, but, but, um, the, the thing is, is that, um, kind of got to the point of like, well, we're, we're kind of in, insistent that if you're going to buy something to eat it, it needs to be organic. And so it's kind of like, all right, we'll provide, um, you know, all the staples and then you got to buy your own coffee. And I think that that guy probably would have consumed like one twentieth of the coffee if he's paying for it himself. Um, and uh, we also had a, we still provide maple syrup, but there was, uh, and it's organic maple syrup, um, but there was a guy who like he was eating maple syrup at least once a day and he would um, not only just slather all his food in it but then um, a lot of it went down the sink um, because as he went to go wash his dishes a lot of it and it's like that is expensive stuff I lick my plate when it comes to maple syrup. Oh. So, <laughs> so it's clean coming off the table. All right. So that's kind of what I mean. Like we, we end up doing some stuff which seems weird and it's like, and then sometimes people are like, what, why isn't that a staple? That seems like it should be a staple. And it's like, you must be thoroughly punished for the actions of those that have come before you. And it's like, and I kind of feel like, um, I think we're doing pretty good. Like what we're, the, what we're providing for food um, um, is like, I, I don't know, a, a little better than staples, really. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I would say so. It's yeah. definitely, and the quality of even the staples is very high in terms of sustainability, organic, et cetera, et cetera. And quality of just yumminess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I think those two things go at least somewhat hand in hand. Like if you get an organic 
sustainably raised egg, it's going to taste a lot better than, yeah. like, you know, just the weird water globules that you get if you buy normal eggs. Okay. Got anything to end that, Ron? Nope. Good. Seven minutes. Next, yes, yeah, seven minutes. <laughs> next, next item I've got is catching somebody in a lie. And... And this is something that I've written about before. I don't know if I've ever mentioned a podcast, but I kind of feel like it is a universal fact of the world. Small disrespects always grow into large disrespects. Now, I'm sure we can think of examples where a small disrespect did not grow into a larger disrespect. Um, but, you know, there was an element of time that may have not been included. <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it's a pretty powerful, universal truth. Small disrespects always. And it's like, I'm going to, I'm using, I know I'm using the word always, which it's like, man, you can shoot that down by just coming up with one example. And it's like, and I, and grant, but it's like, at the same time, it's like, wow, it is, and maybe there are some exceptions, but the exceptions are more like in the half a percent range rather than the 20% range. Ron. Well, we started this podcast with you saying you're going to say something and I'm going to say something completely different. Okay. In this particular case, I'm absolutely positively right on board with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah small disrespects turn into big ones, so you got to nip them in the bud right away. So a lie is going to later turn into stealing or vandalism or um, something much worse and it just seems like <clears throat> once those small disrespects start showing up it's like either you gotta send them down the road immediately or it's like you're gonna wait until it gets just a little bit bigger and and then and then it's gonna be time for if they don't self prune then it's like you gotta do that horrible awful difficult thing that we all want to avoid and that is telling somebody they have to leave and so, Jennifer, you're just saying, yeah. Oh, no, I mean... You said no? What? Oh, what? Fine, I agree with you, Paul. That's all I want to say. Okay, all right. Five minutes. Yeah. All right, we've got five minutes left. Um, one of the things that we brought up when taking notes about what to talk about uh, in this podcast is that there are some woofers that are brand spanking new to adulting. Mm -hmm. And they they might be 18 years old. We have had some people that seem like they were brand new to adulting and they were 42 years old. And, and it's like, and we found out that like they'd been living with their parents right. up until 40. And it's like, this is their first ever, you know, and it's, and it showed, it's like they'd never even had a job. Right. They've, you know, and I kind of wonder if like the parents were like, <laughs> Oh, you're interested in preparing closer. We found this place. We covered the fee for you. We'll arrange, we'll, we'll pay for your airplane. <laughs> ticket and then and then while they're here the parents move right. like at home changing the locks yeah. yeah no just like totally changing <laughs> their location <laughs> they're gone <laughs> we got away yay we're free <laughs> right well and there's definitely a learning curve like if you've never lived with people who aren't your parents you've never done your own grocery shopping you've never worked you've never cleaned you've never had to like get along with people who aren't biologically obligated to like you at least a little bit it's, it can be difficult even if and, you're not a bad person and you've learned that you can get anything that you want through the power of whining right and and now you don't and so what you do is you try the other techniques I will whine louder right I will whine more often <laughs> these techniques have always worked for me in the past right so uh, one of the things I wrote down is uh, rough edges. Mm -hmm. So like some people take a while to kind of learn how to get along with others. Right. And um, and and in the past they've they've uh, kind of had a um, uh, let's call it immature uh, approach to getting along with others. Uh, basically telling others how to behave to better facilitate my own self and uh, telling them and if that doesn't work tell it to them louder and uh, be a little bit more commanding and demanding. Um, and it's like, uh, you know, so we, so there's sometimes there's going to be that. I guess what I'm trying to say is, is like, hey there, uh, wolf hosts out there that are thinking about, it's like, this could happen. And um, how are you going to roll with that? 
Um, so uh, rough edges uh, needs people skills. Um, oh, we've had a few people who showed up here and they actually came into my office to tell me how Fred is full of shit. Wow, I, Fred! Yeah. Like Fred is the least full of shit person I've ever seen. And and, and so um, it's been it's been com- comedic, but of yeah. course, and then these are and in fact one of those people was like 27, uh-huh. and saying Fred is Fred is a, a dumbass. He's doing it all wrong. He doesn't know how to lead people. Um, and and they were and I'm kind of like. Really? Oh, do tell me more. Interesting. <laughs> right, if it were like, Paul is full of shit. <laughs> yeah, let's see how that works out for you. I think I'm pretty good at letting no, people have are. their say. You are. I'm just teasing. <laughs> they can, people can tell me I'm full of shit, and right. then, I, and then I, I do. If they're going to be standing here, especially right. if it's Taco Tuesday, right. then it's like, well, let's explore my full of shitness. Right, right. And then so I think I'm pretty good about that. Um, and it's like, but, all right. Um, and then, of course, I do think I made a podcast. I called it The Story of Jerry. Right. And so Jerry was 20, <coughs> and Jerry's not his real name. And um, uh, and and he proceeded to, to to tell me how I'm doing it all wrong. He came into my office about every two to three days. He had a thing about this one guy needs to be reprimanded for chewing with his mouth open. And so I spent the next three meals watching this guy. He didn't chew with his mouth open. I don't know what was going on. And anyway, he complained about everything. He uh, One day I came out at 10 o'clock in the morning, came out of my office, and he's sitting here at this very table. And uh, it's like, why aren't you out working with everybody? Oh, I decided to take a personal day. Um, and uh, and then one day I found him inside, and and he was saying something like, uh, "Oh, I decided to uh, help the cook instead." And it's like, "No, the the cook is paid to cook, and and so the cooking's all taken care of. We need um, gappers because he was a gapper <clears throat> to to help with our projects out in the field. Right. Like, well, the cook said he could use the help, and so I just decided oh, I'd rather oh. do this. Yeah. And it's like. Okay, so you're all done helping with projects? So, all right. The key is is that um, some people are going to arrive. They're going to be new to adulting, and that could be awkward. Um, I, I think that for the most part, we've had some young people arrive, and they've been great. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I think it's because they're excited to be here and excited to be part of it. And I also think because Fred's great, and um, <coughs> at this point in time, uh, we have a very strong precedent that is set. So the precedent really helps a lot. Right. Okay. Anything about um, woofers that are new to adulting? Yeah. I'm. Oh, it's time. Yes. We're out of time. That's it. Yes. It's the end. <laughs> that's why you keep pointing at the. And I'm looking at things. Yeah, yeah. We got five minutes. And it's like, oh wait, no, that's right. I have to be done five before. Well, if you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com. Where we're going to talk about woofing, homesteading, and of course. Culture all the time. <laughs> Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.